That's a growler. Welcome back to Beauty and the Beastly Minute, the podcast where we break down and analyze Beauty and the Beast, one guided tour at a time. I'm Bobby from Growler Media. And my name is Janae. And today we have a very special guest with us. Her name is Jennifer Dassel, and she is from the Art Curious Podcast. Hey, everybody. How are you doing? Doing good. How are you? Doing fine. Happy to be here. Thank you for asking me. We're glad you could come on. Thank you. Did I say your last name right? I didn't even think about it till I was saying it. <laughs> you <laughs> totally did. Um, and so you okay, get super good. bonus points because most people pronounce it incorrectly. So you totally win. Woohoo! <laughs> brownie points for us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so tell us about your podcast really quick because I don't really know much about what your podcast is about. I'm assuming art. <laughs> that is correct. Yeah, it's called the Art Curious Podcast. And my tagline is that it explores the unexpected, the slightly odd and the strangely wonderful in art history. And that's because I'm coming at it from a storytelling perspective where I just want to tell kind of these weird stories that you normally don't hear about when you talk about visual art. And so it's just a fun way to explore um, something really different and interesting about things that you may know a little or a lot about. Ah. That's so cool. I'll have yeah. to tell my my sister and my nieces. I mean, my sister went to school for art, so and my nieces are way into art, so I bet they would love to listen to that. That would be super cool. I'm always welcoming more listeners, and it's definitely a, a podcast that's for everyone, including maybe like a lay audience who doesn't necessarily have a lot of art background. Mm -hmm. But if you have an art background, it's just a bonus. So hopefully cool. it's something for everyone. And what is your background in like art or profession or whatever. Yes, exactly. Um, it's in art history all the way through. And during my day job, I am an art curator at an art museum in North Carolina. So Ooh. I'm definitely surrounded by this stuff. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. I always tell people I am never bored. There's always something going on that's exciting and fun and new. So it's a good job. Did you always know you wanted to do that? No, I am one of those people that completely fell into her job. And uh, I wanted to be a geologist or a paleontologist for a really long time. I was totally <laughs> the kid with the dinosaur collection and, <laughs> and was that way through college until I became a junior in college and switched my major to art history. So it was huh. never in my plan, wow. but I'm really happy that I ended up here. It's, it's been a lot of fun. That's amazing. It's really, really random, but very cool. <laughs> <laughs> Life is random. I don't know. It's true. I was surprised when I was looking for uh, for someone to be a guest for this minute because I this is one of the the very specific minutes that I wanted to get somebody with a background in you know something specific. I was looking for for something in the art art history genre of podcasting and there weren't a lot of them and uh, that really surprised me i know you know it's kind of bizarre when it, it's really funny i only sort of cursorily cursorily i don't even know if that's a word i just did cursory <laughs> research when i was thinking about doing a podcast there are a handful of us out there who do these art history podcasts but i would say that the vast majority of people who are doing any sort of art podcasts are really doing it about contemporary art so it's mm -hmm. people who are interviewing artists or other people in the arts realm who are obviously currently living or just kind of discussing arts and art shows that are going on right now so they're a lot more specific in that way um that 
that's actually what I do during the day. I'm a contemporary curator. So most of the artists that I do work with are living or are super young or just starting out. But my background being in art history, I just really wanted to kind of talk about what I call the old stuff also. So um, (laughs) this is really that unique opportunity that gives me that chance to talk about anything in art, not just art that's been made in the past 20 or 30 years. Yeah. Yeah, and hopefully here in this minute, get a chance to do a little bit of that. And definitely, <laughs> if there's something else in the movie that, that you feel prompted to talk about, feel free to do that. But today, we are talking about Minute 41 of Beauty and the Beast, which starts out with Belle finishing her sentence that this is an enchanted castle and ends with Cogwart saying, Now then, if I may draw your attention to the flying buttresses. <laughs> Janae, do you want to start us off? Oh, I love this minute so much. I can't even tell you how much I love this minute. Because it's like the Cogsworth show, and it makes me so happy because he's my favorite, as everyone who's been listening knows (laughs) I have an obsession with Cogsworth. (laughs) So I just love his interaction with Lumiere here at the beginning and how... They look like so patronizing in response to her comment that it's an enchanted castle. And like, it's like they're patronizingly trying to cover the fact that, of course, it really is an enchanted castle. (laughs) And I just think it's so funny. And they talk to her like, oh, isn't she amusing? This child who thinks everything's enchanted as this fork runs across in front of him. Fork runs across. And then... And then Cogsworth gets so annoyed, and he's like, it was you, wasn't it? Who told her? And uh, it's just so funny. And then I was just re-watching it um, right before we hopped on, and I didn't realize that there's this split second where Cogsworth grabs Lumiere around the throat. Did you guys see that? <laughs> yes. He's, yes. like, really going at it, throttling him. Yes. <laughs> I don't think that's one of those things that you really think about or notice when you're a kid, like the inherent violence and things like that. (laughs) It's one of those things you look back when you're older and you're like, oh, okay, he's really mad. (laughs) Yeah. He's very, it's funny because he's this like stuffy guy, but he really does get fairly physical whenever he's angry at Lumiere in particular. Hmm. But Belle was pretty smooth here because then she pulls out this flattery and convinces Cogsworth to take her on a tour which okay if he hadn't said anything about it not being a good idea they could have just taken her on the tour and never even mentioned the west wing or whatever yeah i feel like he shoots himself in the foot quite a bit a lot actually (laughs) totally yeah i totally agree with that i know it's just would you like a tour yes you don't have to say no not this area of the castle right Hmm. Mm -hmm. well and beast did the same thing and we talked about it in that minute where he's like, you can go anywhere except the West Wing. Don't go in the West Wing. Like, let's make that important and uh, stick out to you so you want to go there. That's true. <laughs> They're not very subtle. Nope. Well, I mean, it is kids who are watching it, so <laughs> there is that consideration. They're not always the, the biggest at picking up subtleties, as we know, because there's lots of subtle things that we're picking up that we never saw when we were kids. So That's true. Totally. That's very true. They have to have some things that aren't so subtle. Um, so, Jennifer, have you seen the new movie? 
I haven't, believe it or not. Oh my I really, gosh. really okay. want to. I know. I <laughs> this feel is really so bad. funny. No, no, don't feel bad. I ask that to pretty much every guest who comes on because there's usually something in each minute when we have a guest that I'm like, oh, this is different than the movie because I'm like the only one who went to see it because my sister was like, let's go see it. And I was just curious, which it was pretty good. You just kind of okay. have to separate it a little bit. And um, I mean, I have my own beefs with it, but overall, it was still enjoyable. Um, nice. But one of the the things that I was pretty sad about is they did not have this tour in the new movie. What? Just nothing at all? No, I don't remember them doing this tour at all. And, mm. well, it kind of makes sense because Cogsworth in the new movie is not funny at all. Oh, so mm. he's just the stuffy version, completely stuffy. Yes. It's Aww. so depressing. I was like, seriously? Mm. You ruined my favorite character. Mm. I mean, I have no problems with Ian McKellen. He's an awesome guy, but he shouldn't have been cast. That's my personal opinion, though. If anyone disagrees, you can disagree. I don't mind. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I still have to see it. It's definitely on my list. Yes. It's it's up there. I've just got to do it. Yeah. It was very interesting. Wait for Netflix. (laughs) Right. Netflix plug. Uh, (laughs) Well, I guess we can get into the tour because they do end up going on this tour. Yes. And I think this is where we're going to get some of your expertise. (laughs) Yeah. I you know what I think is really funny about this. I was thinking about it a, a little bit ago and I don't know for sure, but I'm guessing that somebody maybe just took an art history class once, the screenwriters, and they remembered a few random terms. And I think they just (laughs) threw it at the wall and combined them all and said, oh, let's just see what sounds funny and sounds good. Because some of the things that they discuss in there, and I had to even turn up the volume to make sure I was catching the correct phrases that Cogsworth was saying. Uh, But I think he's using things that don't actually make a lot of sense. So... (laughs) I would kind of agree a little bit because I I was like, okay, minimalist Rococo. And yes. Like, uh, and then Baroque. Like, he's referencing so many different styles. And I'm like, yes. how do they have all of those styles? And, of course, you can't see anything. I think he's right. talking about the archway or the, um, the vaulted ceiling. So you can sort of mm-hmm. see that. But all you yes. really are able to see in the description is those suits of armor that are watching and, <laughs> and turning their heads and looking at them. But, yeah, that first thing he says is that everything was stripped down so you can see this minimalist Rococo right. atmosphere, which is basically – it's like jumbo shrimp. It's a complete – It's one of those things that's like really the opposite because getting like stuffy art historical terms, Rococo was something from the 18th century. It was a French decorative style that was really known for being kind of elaborate, over the top, really beautiful, very smooth and graceful with lots of curving lines. But having something being minimalist, Rococo Rococo. is just as far as I'm aware, is just not a thing. That's not something that goes together. I think that's what confused me the most because I kept trying to like Google it. And I was like, I was finding Rococo, I was finding Minimalist, but I wasn't finding anything that was both. And I was like, no. I don't understand if I just, I don't know what's wrong with me, but apparently there's nothing <laughs> wrong not with you. me. <laughs> exactly. I think they were just like, that just sounds fancy. That's and that's so something funny. that I think is funny about Cogsworth is I really like him as a character. But I think for this, this like little portion of this tour, they're just trying to make him sound as inflated and self-important as possible, uh-huh. which in some ways is, is 
one of those traditional views of what an art historian or an academic is like, you know, somebody who's really just <laughs> very dry, which is one of the things I try to fight against is that art can be super fun and art history can be weird and crazy and wild and, you know, stories about all kinds of bizarre things like murder and love affairs and funky things like that. But with Cogsworth, you're just getting this really, really <laughs> luxury, dry tale. You talking about these kind of mixing of terms that he did, that was another thing that he said is, he said something along the lines of like a neoclassical Baroque. Yes. When you're using those terms, a lot of times terms like neoclassical and Renaissance and Baroque, those are referring to time periods as well as the style of the art. But Mm -hmm. the neoclassical style is totally separate from the Baroque style. So it's not something, again, that you would have... (laughs) combined. So I don't know, maybe we can just say that this is an enchanted castle. So maybe they do have a mixture of styles that would not be found anywhere else because it's magic. But in general, I'm going to say that it's it's not a thing. <laughs> I think it's so fun. I think it even makes it even funnier because like he's acting like he is the authority on all of this art and architecture. And then he really doesn't know what he's talking about at all, which is kind of a super funny juxtaposition <laughs> of <true>. the situation. <laughs> That's true. It's not like the joke is necessarily on us as an audience who might no. not be able to pick on those things. Mm-hmm. It could totally be that Cogsworth just <laughs> is just making it all up as he goes along and thinking that we might fall for it. <laughs> or he really thinks he believes what he's saying. I don't yeah. know. Could That's be either true. way. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely like the interpretation that he's just he's just blowing hot air. Because yeah. I know from the commentary on the movie, the directors and uh, I think it was a few of the, the top guys that worked on it, they talked about how when they put that line in there, they just threw in a bunch of terms. So they didn't really know, you know, anything. They're just, okay, throw a bunch of art terms at it and make him sound fancy. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not sure that it was intentional, but I like the interpretation that it's Cogsworth just making stuff up because <laughs> he too. wants to sound impressive. <laughs> I like that very much. Uh, and then, of course, I think he ends uh, he ends with that flying buttresses comment. But right before that, he tells like the most punny art historical joke you ever could do, I which is if it. it ain't if it's not broke, don't fix it. Which is so funny because you do see that on like art history memes, and people do reference that in some classes sometimes. And it will always remind me of this movie because that is the first time I ever heard it, and probably the first time I ever heard the term broke. So oh I will always flash back to that scene and i love that he gets that kick like he's so amused by himself that he gets that little tear of joy from his little joke (laughs) i feel like that's how my jokes go over sometimes (laughs) and i'm like oh that's so funny wipe a tear and everybody's like crickets oh my gosh i love him so much so is that a joke outside of beauty and the beast or is that just something that came from beauty and the beast You know, I don't know. I don't know if it started with Beauty and the Beast, but it definitely has had an afterlife. Like if you if you look up a Baroque piece of art and someone's made a meme about a Rembrandt painting and it says if it's not Baroque, don't fix it. So it may have started there, but I don't know for sure. It just may have been a pun (laughs) that's been around. I don't know. I like it, though. It's a good one. Mm -hmm. I like good puns. They're so punny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good times. Good times. <laughs> so speaking of the flying buttresses, I mean, I took an art, like history, humanities class in college at some point, like a million years ago. 
Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I remember some architecture and art stuff. But as far as I can tell, there are no flying buttresses on the castle. Like I looked up different pictures and diagrams, <laughs> and like the one they built at Disney World or Disneyland or wherever. And I didn't see any buttresses. Now, I, you've done a lot more research, I think, than I have. I don't think I looked up any pictures of the castle itself, but you would be able to tell because flying buttresses are pretty big. Yeah. So if you've, if you've seen pictures or if you've been to Paris and have seen Notre Dame at Paris, it's the, the cathedral has these huge, they're basically support mechanisms that are off the backside that are holding up these huge stones. So it's these, this kind of fortified architecture that really became prominent in Gothic architecture during the mid, uh, the medieval period. Um, so you really wouldn't be able to see those from the inside, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Right. So again, this is one of those situations of him saying, now may I point your attention to the flying buttresses. <laughs> inside. I don't know how you would even see that. I mean, maybe it's possible, but it's not something that I would typically think of as an interior piece of architecture. So, well, and, nope. and from what I understand, they designed flying buttresses like they came about because they wanted more glass in the walls of the cathedrals. And so taking yes. out the stone made them weaker by putting in the glass. So they had to make the pillars kind of further out on the outside and make the arches go into the walls to to absorb all that weight from the from the roof and the walls. That's exactly right. And this is also that time period in which cathedrals and other buildings were getting taller and taller and taller. So automatically they were becoming more unstable. And so once you're making them taller and you're trying to have less structure and more <laughs> windows, like you're saying, I mean, that seemed like just a recipe for failure. So they really were kind of ingenious in coming up with these support mechanisms. Yeah, really interesting. So I guess if you have a, a castle that really is kind of precariously built and trying to get to be huge that it would make sense maybe that it would have flying buttresses but again who knows and how could you tell from the inside um i just had a thought isn't that interesting that um like you said they used to create these flying buttresses so they could have more stained glass and like the intro to beauty and the beast is all stained glass (gasps) yes isn't that interesting uh-huh. Dun, dun, dun. I'm seeing a connection. That's here. pretty cool. If only they had them on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> Minor details. Maybe maybe they're hidden and we just can't see them. Oh man. I don't know. <laughs> so as far as the the architecture and the artwork that we do see in this movie is like any of this at all accurate to what we see in the in the castle? Like is anything he says even partially accurate? Hmm. Well, he was talking about, I think he talks about the vaulted ceiling mm-hmm. and that ceiling definitely had that kind of curved uh, vault appearance that you'd expect to see. So that part is definitely at least leaning in the right direction. But the rest of it, it's really hard because we have that aerial view when they're first starting to take that tour. But then it really just cuts over to them being at ground level and uh, your attention is focused on those suits of armor. Mm-hmm. So other than that, you really can't identify anything particular that Cogsworth is talking about. He's just sort of babbling. And then we're just enchanted by uh, the mystery of seeing those heads turn. So yeah, it's really hard to actually say. Again, I think he's just spouting terms and we're just meant to be going along with the ride. Okay, here's a question. He says the the take a glance at the unusual reversed vaulted ceiling at the in, inverted vaulted ceiling oh is that what he said mm-hmm. i thought he said reversed vaulted ceiling okay well whatever so is that a thing <laughs> or is it just vaulted ceiling and the added like the inverted oh my god is goodness. that a question that you I know the answer no to idea. okay that's okay i 
don't. That's really interesting, though. It's like I, you know, I'm hearkening back to architectural history classes. I didn't take as many of those as I took normal kind of traditional art history classes. So I know some things about architecture, but not as many. So if inverted or, or reversed vaulted ceilings are a thing, I don't know about them. But at the same time, it almost makes me question what would an inverted or inverted vaulted ceiling look like? Because if a vaulting ceiling typically has that curve that's going upwards, like the top part of a circle, then wouldn't an inverted or reversed look like it's swooping down? I'm drawing a circle in the air, which no one can see. (laughs) I feel like I looked this up and I found some pictures. Now that I am thinking back to the research I did like a little while ago, I think it's like they have that arch that goes up, but then like... Mm -hmm parallel to it there's another arch and it kind of like does this uh, i don't know how to describe it hmm. it's like you have the arch going up to the ceiling and then within the arch like on the sides maybe it's got it does the same thing Ugh, i don't know how to describe it i found a picture though <laughs> i found a picture and we'll put it on the facebook page i guess because <laughs> so it's a real so it's a real thing. I think well, so. This we, we've determined. <laughs> that was the only thing that I that I could recognize. That I was like, okay, I think he might actually be accurate in in what he's saying. Because if you look mm-hmm. at second fifty six of this minute, you get a really good view of the ceilings, and they're definitely yes. arched. But I believe the inverted part is referring to the, all the rectangles there. Because being in home repair, the in inverted ceilings, when you have like a section of you have the normal flat ceiling in somebody's house. And then it's inverted when it kind of has like a, a rectangle that goes up higher and they have like a, you know, crown molding in there or a light fixture or something that just makes the room feel a little nicer. Low, like like it's an inset. Right. Is it like an inset? Okay. Okay. I'm getting a good visual now. Right. So then in, the, in this image we see, we have a lot of the ceiling that it's all vaulted, but then it's also got all these inverted rectangles placed in it where you have the, the typical depth of the ceiling and then it goes even higher than that for design purposes. Hmm. Nice. See, I like this. I learn something new every huh? day. <laughs> it might not be Now accurate. I know inverted vaulted <laughs> Right, zooms, we don't know. It might be, and that would be cool. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I'm going with it. No, this was a really fun scene. I, I totally agree with you, Janae. I like, I like this tour. <laughs> I think Cogsworth is really funny, and uh, I just think it's a really good little, little scene. I love it. Now, one of the other art questions or just observations I had that I'm not sure if you're aware of, Jennifer, is that like throughout the movie, throughout the castle, there are a lot of different paintings. And I know mm-hmm. a lot of them, they just kind of made up and tried to, to base them on styles and artists of the time period. But there are several mm-hmm. throughout the movie that are actually like they they took a painting. I think one of them is the, the girl with the pearl earring and they kind of hit it in a scene somewhere. Um, oh, nice. So I didn't know if you were aware. It's of been that a long not. time <laughs> since I've seen that. No, I don't think I was. And that's one of those things is I, I think it's been at least 15 years since I've seen the movie. Oh, it's wow. been it's been too long. I know. I've only just seen clips here and there. So I really, really want to see it again. So you're, you guys are inspiring me to do that. So I think watching it now would be really fun because they, they'd be like these little Easter eggs yeah. for me. But that would be really interesting. So it's just the girl with her pearl earring is hidden somewhere in the back of a scene. And Yeah, I'm trying to remember which one it is. I think it's one of the hallways. Like when Belle's going through a hallway, there's there's a picture on one of the walls and you've got to kind of like zoom into it and 
pull it off the wall and look at it and you're like, oh, wait, yeah, that looks kind of familiar. <laughs> I've seen that somewhere before. Yeah. That sounds too That's intense cool. for me for just regular viewing. <laughs> if I weren't <laughs> yeah. doing this podcast, there's no way I would have be able to do that, I think. Uh. <laughs> Good times. Good, Good times. times. Yeah. But if you're listening and you want to, you do it. Yes, definitely. If anybody recognizes any other paintings, because that's something that's been bugging me a lot. It's like, okay, is this a real one or is this just something they made up? Because a lot of them look like they could be real paintings. And I'm just the kind of person that would like to know that, but I don't have enough of a background in art history to recognize the majority of them. <laughs> mm. Nice. Well, I could try to add this to my list of things and I could let you know if I see anything as I'm going along. Awesome. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no problem. It's fun. So do you remember the, the first time that you saw Beauty and the Beast? I saw it in the theater when it was released. I am I am uh, in my late 30s, if that gives anybody <laughs> an idea of how old I am, um, how, how old I was when I saw it. I think it came out when I was like maybe nine or 10. I can't quite remember um, how old I was, but I definitely saw it in the theater with my parents and I was completely transfixed. I remember just thinking it was so amazing and beautiful and I immediately responded to it. And as one of those girls, I think as many, many girls who grew up just reading books all the time and just losing, losing myself in stories, it really was cool to finally have this heroine who was somebody that I could really identify with, mm -hmm. somebody who was really into um, sort of the brainier side of things. That was something I had never really experienced before. So it's like I always knew that Belle was my spirit, <laughs> my spirit Disney heroine. <laughs> and that, that movie really cemented that for me. And so she's always been one of my favorites. Even all these years later, she's still, I think, for a lot of people have a really special place in our heart for Belle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was a really, really important movie, I think, for me when I was growing up. That was just one of those, those really nice things that I was excited to see. Awesome. And I'm guessing then that Belle is your favorite character in the movie? I probably, I probably have to choose her. I really like Lumiere too, but that probably is something that everybody says. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Belle, Belle's probably my favorite if I have to choose. Well, we don't make people choose. <laughs> we definitely I'm have sticking several. to it. I really, really enjoy it. Yeah. Well, I don't have anything else for this minute. Janae, do you have anything else? I am good. Thanks. I said everything I wanted to say. Well, thank you guys for inviting me on. This was really thank fun. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, we're glad you could make it. Happy to be here. Now, do you want to uh, tell us more about your podcast or, or where people can find you? Sure. Um, uh, you can tweet at me or check me on Instagram or Facebook at ArtCuriousPod. And uh, it, again, that's ArtCuriousPodcast.com. It's about the weird and wonderful in art history. And I actually just released my second season as of last week. And so for the next few months, all the way until the end of the year, I'm doing episodes about the connection between art and art making in World War II. Hmm. So hmm. all kinds that's of really cool. interesting stories that are coming up. Yeah, it's been a ton of fun. It's uh, definitely a time period in which I only knew you know a little bit of information on. So I've been learning a whole lot, um, a lot of really funny, weird stories to, to share. So hopefully people can join me there. Yeah, yeah, definitely go over and uh, check out the podcast. I haven't listened to all of season one, but I, I listened to a, quite a bit of it. And it's very enjoyable. You definitely don't have to be an art person to get something out of it and to have fun listening to it. So I would encourage everybody to go check it out. <laughs>
Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> and how do you find your topics to, you know, make a podcast episode on? Do you just pick something and go with it or, or how do, how does that happen? Yeah. Oh, that's a really good question. I'd say for a lot of the first season that I did, a lot of them came from either listener recommendations from people who would write in on either on my Twitter or really on my Facebook page or would simply drop me an email and say, you know, ooh, I really like this artist. Can you write about him or her? And then also, I have a lot of stories that just has stuck with me over the past, you know, 15, 20 years, just stories that I thought were really interesting in art and that I wanted to explore or stories that I knew were really cool that I wanted to tell and retell. Um, so really, it's a combination of both of those. That's so cool it's a lot of work but a lot of fun <laughs> definitely <laughs> i'm sure you guys can relate yes <laughs> just a yes, little bit <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is good stuff all right janae if people want to get a hold of you how can they uh, how can they do that oh well if you would like to get a hold of me you can find me at janaehyatt.com j-a-n-a-y-h-i-a-t-t and you can send me a message through my website or send me a message through my website. <laughs> That's pretty much it. <laughs> and as always, um, you can find Beauty and the Beastly Minute. If you are not subscribed to it already, please go ahead and, and do that in iTunes or your podcast player. We also love reviews on iTunes. Those really help us get out there in front of people. There are a lot of podcasts and episodes about Beauty and the Beast. So for us to show up, we need reviews. <laughs> but other than that, if you want to find us, we are on social media everywhere at Beastly Minute. We just recently started up our Instagram and we post a lot of screenshots from the minutes. So if you would like to see the stuff you're hearing about, <laughs> You can check out our Instagram and see a lot of the images that we're talking about there. We also want to thank Duo Hansen, who does our intro and outro music. You can find them on YouTube. That's Duo Hansen. And as for me, if you need to get a hold of me, you can find me on growlermedia.com, where we have other podcasts, The NeverEnding Minute, which does the same thing we're doing here, but with a never-ending story, um, and a few other podcasts there that are not minute-related, but are also good to listen to. Janae, you want to close us out? Well, as I always say, if it ain't Baroque... Don't fix it. Something is really different. I'm a growler. I like it. I'm going with it. I'm keeping your bones. Oh.